one of my favorite movies and as I was putting this word that the Lord gave me together that part at the very end jumped out at me where he says don't you want a taste of the glory see what it tastes like I'll get to that in just a moment but go ahead and open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1 it's a little less less bright up here I noticed that I'm excited for these words. And when you're there, say amen. Scripture says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, and these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Focus on verse 3. And he is a radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the ability to gather with you today. Jesus, we exalt your name. We give you honor. We give you praise. Spirit of God, I pray today you may glorify the Son. Exalt him. As this word is delivered in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I believe Pastor did a tremendous job on Wednesday if you were here. And what he preached was, was amazing. He went off of, basically, he, he was, him and I have just been tag teaming left and right through text messages. And I believe that this is what the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church at this moment concerning the glory of God, which is Jesus Christ. I just want to give a quick background how many of you would agree that as charismatics, as Pentecostals, we tend to put a lot of emphasis on feelings? We come into church, and, and, and it all typically has to be emotion. And if we don't feel like we've been moved, we didn't have church. We come in here on Sunday mornings, and we sit down, and the worship team gets up, and we get up, and we look at them, and in our minds we say, I dare you to move me. I dare you to try to get my emotions up. And if we don't get to something that we have identified in our own mind that is the presence of God, we didn't have church. It was just a normal Sunday. Something was just wrong. I don't know what it was, but it wasn't what it normally is. That's the problem. We're used to normalcy. We're used to something that, that we experience every day. It has become a routine. But what if I told you that every time that you gather together with someone, you can encounter the glory of God in a way that you've never encountered it before? Let's get back to this quickly. Let's, let's just go ahead and look. The manifestations of the glory of God have had different phases throughout biblical times. When he showed up to Moses, the, the glory of God showed up as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Then it took the phase of the Shekinah glory, which was the light in the temple, and it also took the phase of fire. And then in the times of the kings, the glory of God was always identified with the Ark of the Covenant. Even at one point, a woman who gave birth named her child Ichabod. 
Because the ark had been taken and the glory had departed from Israel. But because of Israel's sins, the glory was taken for hundreds and hundreds of years. There was prophet after prophet after prophet had come and had given prophetic word that the demise of Israel and Judah was at hand. And he gave them some time to repent and they never repented. The Babylonians came in. I'm just giving you a little bit of history. The Babylonians came in and they utterly destroyed the temple. And they took Israel captive. They took Judah captive. But God, through his providence, allowed to work in the heart of some kings who had come against him. And he allowed his people to return to the temple, to to Israel, and rebuild the temple. But guess what didn't come with it? The glory. The glory did not come with the second temple. The Bible talks about in Haggai chapter 2 where the Lord begins to give a prophetic word through Haggai. He says, I will fill this house with glory. The latter glory will be greater than the former. I'll get that. I'll get into that in just one moment. So we do not see the glory of God in the way that it was expected at all until the opening of the New Testament. You begin to read in the book of Luke, you begin to read the story of Jesus Christ and suddenly you get to a place where it talks about Jesus being presented at the temple. And the Bible says that they walked in and a man who had been waiting, who had received a word from the Lord that he was going to see the Messiah, he grabbed Jesus and began to prophesy and he said, I have seen the salvation of the Lord, a light unto the Gentiles. See, the thing about it is we we can't get in our human perspective. We're so used to feeling and we're so used to emotion that we're still lost in the prayer that Moses prayed. Lord, show me your glory. But when we don't receive what we're actually praying for, we don't think it's God. Pastor has preached this before. God will not do things that he has already done before. He only had one burning bush experience. We begin to pray, God, show me your glory. God, show me your glory. And then Jesus shows up. And we're like, hey, Jesus, what's up? I'll be right with you in just a moment. I'm praying for the glory to come. And we begin to pray, God, show me your glory. And Jesus walks in once again. But we cannot identify who he is because we're so accustomed to having a feeling in, our, in ourselves. Don't mistake in the presence and the pre- presence of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit for the glory. Because Jesus Christ is the manifested glory of God. Let's break that down here just a moment. The word radiance in Hebrews 1 means reflected brightness. It means a light shining forth. A reflected brightness. Jesus himself is the manifested image of the Father. That's why John was able to say, and the, and the, the Lord, the, the word became flesh and he tabernacled with us. Everything that had to be done in the Old Testament, in Leviticus 9, Aaron had to offer a sin offering and a burnt offering that the glory of the Lord may be able to appear to Israel. There was always something that had to be done for the glory of God to appear, but this time it was different. Jesus himself came. And the glory came to us. Instead, you weren't even worthy to receive the glory of God. But God loved us so much and God desired with a passion to have us in him that he released the glory unto us without us even deserving it. Without us even deserving it. In Jesus, 
we see the full manifestation of the majesty of God. He came to reveal the Father. John 1, 18 talks about that he is God himself, that he is near to the heart of God, that he came to reveal the exact nature of who God was, the exact nature of who, who, who God is to us, all the peace and all the joy and all the love and all the comfort. Everything that God is is in one man, and his name is Jesus. But we have to be able to get it through our thick mind that it's not about feeling. It doesn't matter what's going on in your house. It doesn't matter how you wake up feeling. You were created to behold the glory of God. You have the opportunity every day to behold the glory of Jesus. To behold the glory of Jesus. When we gaze at Jesus, who is the glory of God, it changes our point of view. It changes our point of view. It changes everything that we have ever known about Christianity. John was able to testify in John chapter 1. The word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us, and we beheld his glory. We beheld his glory. John was witness of the glory of God. He was, it changed his perspective. He was just a fisherman. But by the time that Jesus was done with him, he was able to testify and he was able to describe exactly what the glory of God was. And you beat yourself down because you think you're not worthy enough. That I'm not good enough to get the glory of God. You were created to behold the glory of Jesus every single minute of the day. Every single minute of the day, God has given you the opportunity. Pastor preached on Wednesday that Moses had to have a veil over his face. They could only get pieces of the glory of God. And he began to quote the scripture, I believe it was in 2 Corinthians, where he said that we are no longer veiled in the face and we can look at Christ, which reflects the glory of God. We have that confidence to know that when we look at Jesus, when we see Jesus, we are seeing right into the Father's eyes. And that can change our, our lives forever. When we encounter the glory of Jesus Christ, the glory of Christ can even awaken even those that are the most asleep. Those that we think are, can't even be saved. The ones that the world has given up. The ones that we say, you know what, I'm going to stop praying for them because there is no hope. Even those, once they contact, come in contact with the glory of Jesus Christ. Those are the ones that can be awakened. You want proof in scripture? The Bible talks about that God, that Jesus took his inner circle up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John. And the Bible says they became deep Sleep, deep sleep came upon them. But when they had fully awakened, they saw Jesus glorified. Those of us we think that are not even good enough. Those of us that we want to give up on. Those are the ones that Jesus wants to see his glory because he's going to transform them in such a way that they will never be the same again. They will never ever be the same again. That's why John was able to say, I beheld his glory. I was there. I was asleep, but then I woke up, and I saw the glory of Jesus Christ. When are we going to look for that type of event in our lives, church? When are we going to look for that type of opportunity when we can testify in our own time, I beheld the glory of Jesus one day. 
I beheld the glory of Jesus. What is your legacy? What is your story going to be for your children and your grandchildren? When they ask you about Jesus and they say, who is Jesus, Papa? Who is Jesus, Mama? And you begin to say, son, it was on this day at this time that I was in service and I beheld the glory of Jesus Christ and my life was changed forever. My life was changed forever because I saw a glimpse of who God is in the face of Jesus. Let's go to another person, Paul. He was zealous, the Pharisee of the Pharisee. He was zealous for Jesus. Didn't believe in Jesus Christ, but the light shined one day, and he was blinded, and whenever he got his sight back, he was everything else, and his life was eclipsed by the sun. Sinner of sinners, zealous for, zealous for the law, Zealous for the law, but he was never going to be able to encounter the glory like the Levites were, the Levites were able to. He was a Benjamite. He was legalistic and very zealous for the law and for the temple, but he was never going to be able to achieve what Moses had achieved. That's why in one moment, the reality of the Christ came into his life and changed his life forever. I was talking to Pat, and I'm almost done. I don't, I'm just going to let you pray at the end. But I was talking to Pastor. It's like we have an af- he had an after image of Jesus. If you don't know what an after image is, it's an image continuing to appear in one's vision after the exposure to the original image has ceased. I dare you to go outside and begin to look at the sun for a few moments and then look away. And what will you continue to see? You will continue to see an after image of the sun that will still be burning in your retinas. That's why when Paul encountered Jesus, he lost his blindedness. But after he received his sight, he was able to become the greatest Christian to write two-thirds of the New Testament because the afterimage was still imprinted in his eyes. That's why I say you are called to behold the glory of Jesus Christ every day. When your eyes are focused on that afterimage of Jesus, everything else around you means nothing. He eclipses everything, every situation at home, every sickness, every marriage issue, every child issue. When you focus on the glory of Jesus, nothing else can live in it. What are you gazing at, church? What are you gazing at? What has has captured your attention? You were called to behold the glory of Jesus Christ. But I'm not worthy enough. I've sinned. It doesn't matter. There's nothing more or nothing less that you can do because God himself has predestined you to see the glory of Jesus in you. It's not a feeling. It is not a feeling. The glory of Jesus. How much could our services change if all of us here were in one mind and one accord and said, listen, the glory of Jesus is here. The glory of Jesus is here. He said, if two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in the midst of you. You We don't need all of you. Just two people who are in the right mind, and the glory shows up. The glory of God in Jesus Christ shows up. Paul was awakened. He was changed, radically changed in one moment, encountering the glory of God. That word light, it's light in the Hebrew. It means light. It means a lamp. 
That's why the Bible says, Arise, O sleeper, that the light of Christ may come and shine within you. That's why it calls Jesus a light in John chapter 1. The light is the glory, and it shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overtake the glory. The glory of Jesus Christ. So John witnessed, Paul witnessed the glory of the, of the Lord Jesus. Isaiah was able to witness in Isaiah chapter 6 when he said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, small letters, high and lifted up. He saw Jesus and his pre-incarnate glory. That's why in John 17, Jesus began to pray, The glory which thou hast given me, I have given to them, that they may be one with us. The glory of God, church, is not a feeling. The glory of God in Jesus Christ is a state of being. It's a state of being. It's not a feeling. You were predestined. They call him in, second, in Colossians, they call him the Lord of glory. Matthew 7, in John 17, Jesus was praying for you. Jesus said, the glory that you have given me, Lord, the glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one with you. It's a revelation that you have to believe by faith that no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, no matter how you feel, no matter the circumstances that surround your life, the glory that's Jesus Christ resides within you. You are now the tabernacle of his glory. You are now where the glory of God resides in. Where the glory of God resides in. What could we do? What would be different, church, if we just got the mentality that every time that we gather, we have the glory of God. How could we help the worship team that every time they lead us into the presence, the glory is already here, and they don't have to overwork themselves to try to get us into a certain position that we either like or dislike? How could our lives change when we encounter and we engage our culture out there if we understood that when we walk, the glory walks with us? How could our lives change, church, if we understood that there is nothing legalistic that I can do? There is no routine that God has made me do to earn the glory of Jesus Christ. Just the fact that I have believed is sufficient. That's why Jesus said, I told you when he told Mary and Martha right in front of the tomb of Lazarus, if you would only believe, you would see the glory of the Father. Faith, church, and belief is the only thing that God has called you to do. Simply believe, not to question, not to run your mouth when you don't like something that's going on, but to simply believe in faith and you shall have it. He never called you to do anything else, but just believe the Lord and the glory of Jesus Christ would be in you. And I pray today that by the time you leave this place, your mind and your heart will be changed to know that the glory is not dependent on how much you shout, how high you jump, whether or not you flip off this wall, or whether or not you run out this door into traffic and back. That will not bring the glory of God. That will not bring the glory of Jesus Christ. It's a people who are gathered together and who just determine in their heart and in their mind that I'm going to have the glory of God today because he's already predestined me to have it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. 
I pray this changes your life. I mean, it's changed my life. I'm just like, you do what you want to do, but I already have the glory. I don't got to come up here and work myself to death saying, God bless me. God bless me. God bless me. Maybe if I run, the Lord will pay attention to me. No, just the mere fact that I'm here and I have opened my heart to Jesus to release adoration, the glory of God comes to me. It's the mere fact. And it creates a product. When you come to the revelation and to the understanding that the glory of God is within you, the greatest thing happens within you. As Jeremy Riddle said today when I was watching a video, he's like, it's a thing to experience the glory, but it's a greater thing to give glory to Jesus. When you encounter and you experience the glory of Jesus, the imprint, the after image is so burned in your eyes and in your heart that but you can't help them raise your hand and just begin to glorify. And say, Jesus, you're worthy. You are worthy, Jesus. Your glory is great, but I love to give you glory because that is what you deserve. To be so wrecked by the glory of Jesus Christ that your praise changes and your worship changes and your giving changes and your love changes and the way that you act with one another changes because you're wrecked by the reality of who the Christ is in you're wrecked by who Jesus Christ is. Dan, if you want to make your way up here, I'm already done. I've said what I've had to say. Where's he at? What are we going to do, church? What are we going to do? Some of us will move from this place and begin to even not even have listened but I believe that God has chosen a remnant of people in this place who are listening to what the Spirit of God is saying. Get your mind out the way. Get your heart. Get your. We're quick to say yes and shake our heads when the preacher is preaching and say amen. But when we leave this church, we don't allow the word of God to take root in our heart and change us. In the next coming weeks, I'll be watching. I'll be looking to see those who have been receptive to the word. God is calling us higher, church. God is calling us to a new level in the glory of Jesus Christ. He wants to know if there's not a song that is playing, if there's not a stimulus that makes your skin feel good, are you still willing to praise? Are you still willing to worship? Are you still willing to glorify the Son, Jesus, even in the darkest hours of your life? Church has become too dependent with music. Church has become too dependent with drums and too dependent. I'm all for it. I love to hear the worship team. I love playing in the worship band, but where's your heart, church? Where's your heart, church? Where's your heart in the middle of the night, at midnight, at one o'clock, where your heart is broken? There's not a song to begin to make you feel like you're happy, but a praise comes out from within you because you have encountered the glory of Jesus and you're willing to give him glory even in the darkest times of night. That's the type of praise that God is looking for. That's the type of glorification that Jesus is looking for. Anyone can come into this place and into these doors and lift their hands and feel the emotion and feel the rhythm of the music. Anyone can do that. Anyone can come in and stand here, just lift their hands. And to the untrained eye, you think you're right with God, but God sees your heart. And God begins to say, son, you're acting outside of your nature. You haven't come and beheld my glory. There's nothing that you need to do. I've done it for you at the cross. I've done it for you. 
I've done it for you, daughter. I've done it for you, son. There's nothing that you need to do. I have created you to behold my glory. If you want to go ahead and stand up on your feet. Spirit of God, begin to glorify the Son, Jesus, right now. Come on, church, begin to pray right there. Lord, show me. Jesus, I want an after image of who you are. I want my gaze to be focused on you, Lord. Come on, this word can change somebody's life today. We've been so accustomed to customs and to religion and to tradition that when something like this gets preached, our mind is the first barrier that we have to overcome. When are we going to begin to believe that Christ said it was finished, that there was nothing else that we have to do, nothing else that's necessary to have the fullness of who Christ is? Why is it so hard for us to believe that it's that easy? It's that easy, church. Believe with your heart, with your with heart, confess with your mouth, and the kingdom is yours. The glory is yours of Jesus Christ. Spirit of God, I pray today that we put aside our will, our mind, and our emotion, Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you begin to minister to the Spirit of God that's within us. That this may be a spirit revelation, God, not a mind revelation. Holy Spirit, just as you are the witness of those of us who are sons and daughters, I pray you begin to reveal that the hope of glory, which is Jesus Christ, is within us. That you make it real to us today, God. That the glory that you had with God before the foundation of the earth, Jesus, that it is within us. That it is within us. For more information about Our Father's House or upcoming events, please log on to www.allfathershouseky.